There's not one thing happening in the world today that Jesus hasn't addressed and given us power and authority over. All of the issues we find in culture, Jesus gave us the power to influence. The problem is, the church has become more of a subculture than a counterculture because we have no understanding of the kingdom. In this series, Training for Reigning, we're going to look in depth at the gift that we've been given through the finished work of the cross to reign over life instead of life reigning over us. It's just the state of the art. I feel this strong uh, today. If you are here in person and you have been sick in your body, I don't want to enter, uh, uh, embarrass anybody today, but if you have been sick in your body, I really sense a healing anointing today. I want you to jump to your feet right now if you can. I want you to stand up if you have been sick in your body, and I want you to lift up your hands high because. Uh, there's healing available for you today. Lift up your hands. If you're not standing, stretch your hands, church, toward those around you. And I want to declare the Word of God uh, over you today. I declare in the name of Jesus that you are redeemed from the curse, from sickness, disease, and all viruses. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus I declare permeates every cell in your body and has made you free from the law of sin and death. And now I declare that every disease, every germ and virus that tries to attack your body dies instantly. Every cell of your body is virus free and full of life. I declare that your immune system is strong and continuously quickened with the life of God. And we stretch our hands towards you now and we declare that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I didn't say you will be, I said you are. In the name of Jesus, you are are healed and right there where you are with hands lifted lower floor upper tier just say I believe it and I receive it in Jesus name say I believe it and I receive it in Jesus name and if you do clap your hands and give God praise right now thank you Jesus we believe it and, re and we receive it in Jesus name well, I want to welcome you to the fifth and final part of our series I've called Training for Reigning. And I want to welcome everybody here in person. I really appreciate a church that believes in gathering together in person. Thank you for being a part of this experience, one of many today. And I welcome those of you that may be joining us online. Turn with me in your Bibles quickly. It's not going to be long today, but it's going to be strong. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, the book of Matthew chapter 4. If you need help finding it, just ask the person next to you. And if they don't know where to find it, God bless you today. But I'll tell you, church, this has been a powerful series. We've been looking in depth at the great opportunity 
we've been blessed with to rule and reign over life rather than life ruling and reigning over us. And we've been discovering what it means for us to operate in the revelation of God that we've been made kings here in the earth. And the Bible says because of God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. As a matter of fact, I want to show you that's how we operate in it a moment ago. We reign over sickness. We reign over disease. We reign over addiction. We reign over lack. We reign over uh, poverty. We reign in life. As a matter of fact, believer, lift up your hand. Hold it up high. Come on, hold it up high. Say it out loud. Say, I am righteous royalty. Say, I reign in life. Life does not reign over me. Now take one of your hands, set it right here on your heart, and say it out loud. Say, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess, all the good things Christ has already provided for me. So in week one of this series, we discovered who we are. We talked about the characteristics of a king, the head of a king, the heart of a king, the hands of a king. Week two, we looked at what we have. As kings, Christ has given us some tremendous gifts. So we looked at some of those gifts, designated power, delegated authority, demonstrated dominion. Week three, we discussed how we use what we have. We learned that we rule and reign using words. We talked about how our words as kings are powerful and authoritative. As a matter of fact, we learned that they are designed to give life, to silence storms, to edify others, to manifest miracles and to frame our future. And then week four, here at our Irving location, we had a very special guest, Pastor Travis Hall, and he talked about the focus of a king, or let me say it like this, how we think, a kingdom mindset. If you've missed any of this series, please check it out on the Calvary app, or check it out on our website, Calvary Church. Dot cc and I want to say quickly on behalf of me and my wife thank you last Sunday was so special to us pastor appreciation it meant more to us than I think you will ever know we are so blessed to have the privilege of serving you in this house we love you we really do so today, week five, we're going to continue where Pastor Travis left off the focus of a king, how we think as kings. I want us to look at a key scripture for today's teaching, Matthew 4, verse number 17, where Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time, Jesus began to preach, to proclaim, and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll say quickly, this statement Jesus makes is important for several reasons. First of all, this would be considered his first statement after beginning his earthly ministry. It was a mission statement of sorts. Think about it. Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. 
Then he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, where he fasted for 40 days. After successfully resisting temptation, not once, not twice, but three times from the enemy, he headed back to Galilee to gather a group of disciples and launched his ministry. Get ready this year. Church is going to be a year in front of us of discipleship. Of all the things that Jesus could declare with this announcement, he made this particular statement, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was a big deal. Another interesting thought concerning this statement is the timing of it. Why would Jesus wait 30 years to announce that the kingdom, the king of the kingdom, had arrived? Well, think about this. When does a king become a king? When he is crowned. And it wasn't until Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him that the Bible says he was crowned with glory. He received his crown at that moment and became king. And if the king had arrived, watch, then the kingdom had arrived. If the king had arrived, the domain of that king, the king's domain, kingdom had arrived. So Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. Old covenant, it's coming. Jesus arrives, it's at hand. New covenant, the kingdom is in you. Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. That really contrasts to the traditional beliefs that the kingdom, when I say that, some of you think of heaven. If you read through the gospels with the mindset that the kingdom is about heaven, uh, and the afterlife only, then that totally changes your perception of really what I've been teaching you during this series, which is dominion, not departure, dominion. Listen, Jesus didn't say, I came that you may have afterlife. He said, I came that you may have eternal life, the Christ life. Eternal life doesn't begin when you physically die. It actually begins, the Bible says, when you are born again. So whenever you said yes to Jesus, did you know you were given access to the kingdom? And that's what he was announcing here in, in Matthew chapter 4. And by the way, let me just throw this in. Whenever you hear Jesus talking about the kingdom, you can substitute the word king because the kingdom is nothing without the king. Who's the king? His name is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the king and his righteousness. Notice that he doesn't just announce the kingdom is coming. He also instructs those listening to what? Repent. I'm sorry that word has been mangled in the machinery of religion. I love that word. Repent. You don't need to be afraid of that word. Repent. As a matter of fact, it's a beautiful word. It's a word that actually I love. My theology is a form of repentance. Repent. When Jesus announces repent, that doesn't mean, okay, now you come down and you come to the steps and you lay there and you moan and you groan about all the naughty little things that you've ever done. No, repent means, are you ready? Change your mind. Change your mind. Repent means change your mind. Repent. Re means to go back. Go back to what? To the way you were before the fall. Pent. Re. 
Pent, pent, high place. Think of a pent house. Repent, go back to the high place in your thinking. So that translates into changing your perspective from an earthly perspective. Repent from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective. Repent from the realm of senses, what you see, hear, and feel, to a realm of faith, what God believes true. Repent from uh, the things below to the things above. Repent. Change your mind about the temporary things to eternal things. Repent. Uh, in one place he says, you've fallen from grace. Repent. Return to the high place. Repent from do-it-yourself living to grace. So when Jesus says to repent, he means change your thinking. Church, it's time for you to go back to the high place. From what you're accustomed to thinking to the correct way of thinking. I think that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, be not conformed to this world. But be transformed, watch, by the renewing of your mind. So we must have our minds transformed. This is so important, church. If we are going to operate as the kings that God says we are, then we must be kingdom-minded. You will never operate like the king God says you are until you become kingdom-minded. That is a major key. That's why we've been dealing with kingdom in this Series, you change your mind, you change your life. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Where the mind goes, the woman follows. What you think about, watch this, is actually what you bring about. And there is a huge difference. That's why gospel circles are so important. There's a huge difference between being religious-minded and being kingdom-minded. Can I tell you something, church? The church is full of people who are religious-minded. I didn't say kingdom-minded. I said religious-minded. Think about this. Up to that point, all the people knew in Jesus' audience was religion, the old covenant. But then Jesus shows up, and what does he do? He messes with all of them. He starts preaching what's called the kingdom. Because he was trying to bring understanding to the people that once grace came, who's that? Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a theology. Grace is not a podcast. Grace is not a tweet. Grace is not a conference. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. When grace came, they were now going to be given the power to rule and to reign in this world. The ironic thing, though, is that the same resistance the same obstacles that Jesus faced when he began to preach this message. You know what I've realized? It's the same resistance and the same obstacles that we see today as we preach the gospel of God's grace. The gospel of the kingdom. That's the message. The gospel of the kingdom. It's all the same gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. So with that being said, today, what I thought I would do as I close this series is we're going to close by looking at a few differences between having a religious mindset and a kingdom mindset. And then I'm going to ask you a question at the close. I'm going to say, how are you thinking? And be honest, how are you thinking? And I know there are many more that we could look at, but I only have time to look at a few. And then I want to tell you something very, very important that we're doing as a church. So let's dive in. The first contrast between 
the religious mindset I'm teaching today and the kingdom mindset. One, watch this, religious mindset. Salvation is the finish line. Kingdom mindset, salvation is the starting point. Religious mindset, salvation is the finish line. Kingdom mindset, salvation is the starting point. One of the oldest evangelistic, I think, religious questions that you can ask is, what would happen if you didn't wake up tomorrow? And then we say, bless God, you better get right with Jesus. But let me tell you, a kingdom question is this, what will you do when you wake up tomorrow? Jesus did not preach a salvation-centric message. He preached a salvation-initiating message. You must be what? He says, born again so you can enter the kingdom. Think about it. Being born isn't the end. How many of you know it's the beginning of a brand new life? You weren't just brought out of Egypt. How many of you know you were also brought into the promised land? And remember, the promised land is not a piece of real estate. The promised land is a person named Jesus. So God didn't just bring you out. Watch, he brought you out to bring you in. And the Greek words for salvation, sozo and soteria, cover much more than, you know, forgiveness of sins and receiving new life. We talked about that in our gospel circles this week. Salvation also includes what? Oh, I got good news for you today. It also includes deliverance, safety, <laughs> prosperity, preservation, and well-being y'all i didn't make this up in other words there's much more to salvation than fire insurance it means deliverance lift up your hands you do not have to continue to battle the same demons but you are delivered from all of them it means safety i declare it over you now i declare protection the bible says he gives his angels charge over you all the days of your life that's part of the package it means prosperity i prophesy over you that you will be led along a good road and you will prosper in every area of your life it means preservation i speak health how many of you realize god says you will be well sickness must bow at the feet of Jesus it means well-being that means you're getting your sanity back it means he's he's not giving you a spirit of fear but power and love and a sound mind I declare over you now you have a healthy mind and healthy emotions you are safe salvation if I got a church that believes it clap your hands and give God hallelujah you believe it say yes salvation means all of those things in other words it's just the beginning and the reason a religious mindset seems to be so dead is because it makes you feel as if you've already arrived and now what are you doing I just grew up in church where it's like we're just waiting to die we crown death higher than we did Jesus but when I understand the kingdom I'm not at the end of the journey, I'm at the beginning. And, and, and listen to this, you were saved when you believed in Jesus, but you're transformed when you realize more and more and more how much he believes in you. And I highly recommend a book, it's a good book, by a preacher named Ben Daly called Captured by Grace. <laughs> There's a chapter, chapter 10, and it's called Empowering Grace. 
There's saving grace, but there's also empowering grace. Guess what? You were saved, and now you get to live. Saving grace, standing grace, serving grace, grace for you, grace in you, grace through you. Saving grace carried you, but you carry empowering grace. Saving grace was done for you. Watch, but empowering grace is the power of God in you and through you. Saving grace operates vertically from heaven to earth, but empowering grace operates horizontally from you to others. See, I think all Christians understand they were saved from something, but they don't realize they were saved for something. And with this limited grasp of spiritual reality, they're just biding time in the back seat waiting to get to heaven someday. And God's purpose isn't just to get us to heaven. The gospel tells us that God wants to use us to bring heaven to earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Look at in earth as it already is in heaven. Can I tell you, church, God's purpose and our destiny isn't just to get us from here to there, but to bring the power, the love love, the wisdom, the righteousness, the peace, the joy of there, here. You get to bring it here. Salvation isn't the finish line. It's the starting point to what? A free and a full life. And if you believe you've got life, give God a good hand clap. Of Wake up, church. The next difference between the, the two is this. Religious mindset. Being a Christian is focused on, watch, behavior modification. Kingdom mindset. Being a Christian is focused on soul transformation. Behavior modification. You know what's so sad? Some of you think Christianity is nothing more than another good 12-step program. Some of you think Christianity is a sin management program. How sad. Christianity is the Christ life. And whenever you maintain a religious mindset, you're so focused on trying, trying, I'm just white knuckling it through life, trying to behave, trying to be a good boy, trying to be a good girl, trying not to sin. And whenever you begin to focus on the king and his kingdom, your emphasis is on your relationship with the father, not your activity. So you aren't as concerned about trying to do the right thing to please God and not do the wrong thing to displease God. But instead, you are so focused on the king and his kingdom that your activity just begins to effort flow from that place it is more natural it is authentic it is his power not yours and this may shock you but did you know that scripture does not call us to direct our attention toward our sins and exert our energy on us trying, trying, trying to eliminate them. In fact, did you know this approach, Paul says, will not only be ineffective in reducing sinful actions, he says it will actually increase wrong behavior in our lifestyles. And the Bible teaches that we shouldn't focus on sins at all. Instead, we should set our undivided attention on on the Savior. I grew up in religion. I heard a lot about sin. Watch. Then I realized if I set my attention on the Savior who already dealt with my sin, watch this, I get to live a free life. The Apostle Paul dealt with this. He dealt with this subject of our focus. He showed up at the churches that he, that he planted and he, and, and, and he planted them in grace. 
And he told them over, over and over again, don't you dare make sin your focus, but look to Christ. That's why at Calvary, when you come, you're going to hear me say it over and over again. You look to Christ. That's why Paul said to those churches, you set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things that are in the earth. The mind, he says in one place, set on uh, flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the spirit, he says, is life and peace. Some of you wonder why it's death and the progressive effects of death in your life like anxiety and fear and suicidal thoughts and anxiousness and no rest. Let me tell you, it's usually where our mind is, is set. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit and you will know life and peace. And I tell you, we believe lies and these lies are keeping us in bondage. This a lie that we need to focus on this behavior modification and not soul transformation is so very dangerous because this stuff takes our eyes off of Jesus and puts our eyes on sin. And then, and then this imaginary ability we think we have to solve the matter. Let me tell you something. If you could have fixed it, then you would have fixed it. But how many of you know you need Jesus? And, and only, only one person. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands for 10 seconds. Just thank him right now. Only one person could effectively deal with your sin. And I came to declare today that he did. And he did it perfectly. And he did it completely. And, and can I declare over every one of you with uplifted hands, you don't have to tiptoe through life worried that you're going to step on some landmine of temptation and be destroyed by sin. I came to declare today that you can run in life with carefree abandon through the fields of grace knowing that your father has swept the field for you already. It's his responsibility to see that you make it through life without being destroyed by sin. I declare over you, he says, I'm the one who started it and I'm the one who will complete it he says I'm the initiator and I'm the completer and if you believe it today clap your hands and give him praise come on and by the way if you fall down he says I will pick you up and I will dust you off and I will put you back on course so with assurance of of that reality, you never, you don't have to be focused on behavior modification again. You focus on him, and as you do, you're going to be amazed at the way sinful inclinations and temptations begin to lose their power over you. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid growing up, we used to sing a song. I don't think we believed it, but we'd say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Watch. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And the things of earth, by the way, that includes the urge to commit sins, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lift up your hands. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth Will grow strangely dim In the light Of his glory And grace If you're thankful for Jesus, give him a good hand clap of praise right now 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. Our minds need to be renewed to these realities. Why? Because that's called soul transformation. Let's look at the next difference. Are y'all getting anything today? The next difference. Look at it. Religious mindset. Watch. The focus is always on departure. Kingdom mindset. The focus is always on dominion. Again, in a religious mindset, my focus is on, again, what I've been saved from. Kingdom mindset, my focus is what? What I've been saved for. And oftentimes, religious atmospheres are usually what? Hell-focused. And I, I tell you, I'm talking to believers. God has called me as an overseer, as a pastor, to what? To equip saints. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to who you are in Christ, not who you were in Adam. I decided years ago, Pastor D, that I was going to move my pulpit from Mount Sinai to another mountain called Calvary. So I want you to understand that I'm convinced that the method of religion is an attempt, literally, I'm not saying this as a joke, but to scare the hell out of you. And the more evangelistic we get, I notice growing up, the more we talk about hell. And my God, that was like every week, every revival was based on what? The consequence of going to hell literally scare the hell out of the believers. But can I ask this one question? How many sermons do you read where Paul is just pounding the church about hell? Now, before you say it, let me, let, me, let me address it because I know what you're thinking. Some of you that want to be sure that you can burn people in their own fat. And you're saying, so Ben Daly, you don't believe in hell. Of course I do. I'm not saying that I don't. But let me ask you, believer, a question. What if? What if I invite you to come to a class, believer, for the next uh, 12 Tuesday nights. And when you showed up, I teach you about pick a place, Antarctica. And every week when we gather, I'm gonna tell you how bad the climate is there, how much violence is there, how bad the government is, how bad the economy is, how mean the people are, how bad the food is. After about, I don't know, two or three weeks, would you continue coming to the class? Why not? I'll answer it for you. Because I seriously doubt that any of you believers are planning a trip to Antarctica. So if I ask you, hey, hey, Doc, why'd you stop coming to my class? You know what your response would be? Well, Pastor, I don't plan on going there. So I don't really think I need to spend much time learning about it. I'm not going. Exactly. So why should I come here every week, believer? and preach about a place that none of you are planning on going. And religion will have you focused on the simple fact that you were saved from hell, but I came today to say that the kingdom gets you focused on the fact that not only were you saved from hell, but you were saved for a purpose. And if I got a church that believes it, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. 
can say it like this. Being kingdom-minded means I'm more concerned with dominion than I am departure. And if we're waiting to leave, then we aren't getting prepared to stay. Can I just talk talk to you, church? And I know there's a lot of folks right now using this time to sell their books and hawk their product about, about what's coming. Let me tell you something, church. You better unpack your bags. You better roll up your sleeves and get ready for God to use you in this hour. We are called, the Bible says, to be the light of the world. We are called to be a city on a hill. I hear the Spirit of God saying to this house, you better arise and you better shine for your light has come. I don't exist to try and get into heaven. I exist to bring heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven and whenever you have a religious mindset of, of just you know what you've been saved from you live in this rescue me mentality but what if you weren't created to wait for a solution what if God created you church to be the solution in this crazy time that's what Christ wants to do he wants to reign and rule through you lift up your hands church in your family be the solution in government go ahead and be the solution let me equip you every week in media be the solution in arts and entertainment be the solution in business and finance I want you to be the solution in education you be the solution holler it out with all you got say I am the solution and if I got a church that believe it clap your hands and about 200 of you Shout right now and give God. Is that all you got up for tear? I said clap your hands. If you really believe God says you are the solution. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Say I am the solution. Well then act like it. so sad let me tell you something believers that don't sound like they're the solution go on number four I could stay there but I can't don't push me I'm too close to the edge <laughs> religious mindset focused on living from the outside in kingdom mindset Focused on living from the inside out. The kingdom of God in you. In you. Before the cross, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. After the cross, we're told that the kingdom is now living within us. Believer, you live, watch, not from the outside in. You live from the inside out. To live outside in means... I react internally to what is going on around me externally. It means my well-being. See, this, the reason why so many believers right now are losing their mind is because they're living from the outside in. It means my well-being is based on my present circumstances. So everything that happens to me, I end up what? Being defensive, responding defensively. The Spirit of God told me uh, this past week, during my time with him, that for the last decade, 
We've been living defensively, even with regards to our message, but God says it's a new season, it's shifted. Calvary Church, we're not living defensively. We are now living offensively, meaning we're taking the strategies to the world. Everything that happens to me, I end up responding what? Defensively. And when I do that, I operate in a defensive posture. This, 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 this mindset, victims, living defensively will always keep you living in fear of the unknown. That's why you hear so many people saying, well, what's, I don't know. I'm talking believers. Well, what's going to happen next? Or what, what, what are we going to do about this? Or what are we going to do about that? And this is the mindset that Paul addressed in Romans chapter 6 when he says, whatever you present yourself to, you become a slave to. In other words, whatever you focus on, watch, you end up bowing down to. So if I'm focused on all the bad stuff and the negative stuff and the wrong stuff around me, that's what I end up becoming a slave to. And the truth is, some of us probably need, okay, this is not gospel, but I want to talk to you. This is not gospel, but I feel it on my heart. Watch this. Some of us have got, please hear me, have got, you can't because you're an addict, but the reality is we have got to turn off media for a moment, put it in a compartment until you've gotten into God's word enough to know that what is going on around you is subject to you and not vice versa. The church making crazy decisions right now based on what they see, hear, and feel, not based on what God believes true. And the religious mindset will have you reacting to what's going on around you. And it's, and it's affecting every area of your life. Outside in. You don't think the church is living outside in? Let me tell you something. Outside in will cause you to refrain from praising and worshiping because you had a bad week. Outside in will cause you to refrain from, 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 from giving because you say, well, money's tight and the, the economy took a downturn. And outside in will cause you to live in fear and hide because you feel powerless to do something about the situation. But the kingdom mindset allows you to say, not on my watch because greater is he who is in me than anything going on in this world. And that word greater doesn't mean nicer is he and better is he. It means more powerful is he I wish the church would wake up and realize you got a power plant on the inside of you and I prophesy church you do not have to live in fear you live in a place of knowing that you are always on the winning side you can't lose for winning and if you believe it give God a winning praise right now I prophesy as you praise you're coming out in the name of Jesus you're coming over in the name of Jesus you're walking victoriously in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, give God praise like you. No, I want to hear victors give God praise like they really. So, so, so living inside out doesn't mean now I live according to my emotions. I will say this, you are emotional people, I am emotional. We have feelings. Our feelings are real, but they're not always right. That's why the Bible says we don't live by our feelings, watch, we live by faith. 
We live by faith. We live by the faith of God. What God believes true. He means I live not according to what I see, watch, in the natural, but I live by what God says. Not with the eyes of my head. You know what I'm believing for? A church that stops living by the eyes of their head and starts living by the eyes of their heart. It breaks my heart to see people hiding and cowering and running. Let me tell you something, believer, now is the hour that the church, let me tell you, gather and be reminded of the gospel to move and operate in a world that so desperately needs good news. Let me tell you, but it's going to take a church that stops living by the eyes in their head and start living by the eyes in their heart. I don't know why I keep thinking of all these old songs I grew up with. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Y'all remember that song? I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Remember that? Open the eyes of my heart. Lift those hands. I want to see you. I want to see your strategy. I want to see you. Declare it, church. Lift it up. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. Let me hear you. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Woo. Open the eyes, say. Open the eyes of my heart. Let me hear you, church. I want to see you. I want to see you. Say that again. Open the eyes of my heart. Let that be your prayer. Say. Lift up those hands. Say, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. As we sing, holy, holy, to see you high and lifted up, high, shining, pour out your power. As we sing, holy, holy, to see high and lifted up, high, shining in the light, pour out your common love, to see, holy, holy. Are y'all getting this? So it's important that what? We get God's word where in our hearts so that we can operate in a kingdom mindset. And that's one of the reasons, church, that I wanted to school you in this season. And I gave you what I called the training for reigning confessions. And I told you, listen to it every day. Declare it every day. I gave it to you uh, digital, uh, audio. I gave it to you uh, PDF so that you could look at the scriptures. And I want you to begin to see with those eyes what God sees true about you. Let's talk about this last contrast as I close. This is it. Religious mindset teaches us 
that church is a place we go. Don't you miss this. But kingdom mindset teaches us that church is who we are. Okay, church is not the bride of Christ's activity. Church is the bride of Christ's identity. It's who we are. It's who we are. Not just where we go. Not just what we do. Now I want to I father you. I want to father you. The purpose of getting together, of gathering in person, gathering together is for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. You don't just come here, watch, to be ministered to. You come here to be ministered to, watch, so you can go out and minister to others. Church, don't miss this. When the Bible tells us that Jesus died for the church, that doesn't mean he gave his life so we could just have good church services. Church, we are the church. A religious mindset will cause you to relegate church to, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half every week, every other week, now maybe every three, maybe, you know, some of you think, well, you know, I'll just check it off my to-do list. How sad is it that we live in a time that the corporate gathering of believers is, is, is not considered important, but we are a living organism that God's placed in the earth to release the kingdom. And if we simply go through the motions of religious routines, then we have no legit purpose. And when God created the church, and I'm going to make it personal, when he created Calvary Church, he did so because he knew he could work in and through us as a body of believers to bring heaven to earth. And that's why one of our core values here at Calvary is the local church. We fully believe. I believe God's local church. I thank God for technology, and we're going to use it. But the company of called out people, we believe in it. We fully believe that we are God's plan A on the earth. We are not a plan be that's why another one of our core values is multi-locational meaning this we can't keep what we've got to just one place it's got to go to everyone every day everywhere church is who we are lift up your hands I prophesy you are a body of believers empowered by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead I declare over you that you are a group of world changers who are equipped to manifest the kingdom of God right here on the earth I declare you're an institution that has enough influence to lead the world to the knowledge and power of who Jesus really is and what he really accomplished. I declare that you are a company of called out people. Listen, listen to what I'm about to declare over you. You are the gathering of the summoned. Kings that have been summoned. I close this series out declaring, you are the gathering of the summoned. Look at me. Put your hands down. Look at me. This is crazy. I've never seen this. But I, when I was studying this week, it came alive. Did you know that in the days of the Roman Empire, they had a king and then they had governors, kings, that were sent into certain regions to colonize the territories? But the king had to make sure that these rulers he sent out didn't become so caught up in the region in which they were sent that they became more like the territory than they did the heart of the king. So in other words, 
they had to go into the territory watch this but they had to remember they were not of the territory believer we are in the world but we are not of this world we are for this world but we are not of this world so in order to prevent that from happening the king had a meeting periodically in which he would bring all those governors back to him and then he would give them marching orders and he would remind them of the kingdom that they are of he would remind them of who they truly are and then he would send them back out into those territories and this is what I thought was crazy when I read it that this session was called the gathering of the summoned it was called that because they were summoned to gather with the king now here's what's crazy do you know Joel do you know what the Greek term they used for that gathering the gathering of the summons Ecclesia the same Greek word for church so what you're sitting you think what well, I just come in to know what you are doing today this morning I'm talking to you in person that have gathered you are the ecclesia which means the gathering of those who are summoned by the king in other words jesus the king has called for us to have sessions every week not for the purpose of having a religious ceremony but for the purpose of coming together and the bible says don't you forsake gathering it's not a religious ceremony but we gather to remind each other of who we are we gather to remember the kingdom that we represent and to be equipped to be sent back out into our territories to influence them so that they look like the kingdom and where are our territories church your territories are your home your territories are your schools your territories are your job your territories are your communities so to be kingdom-minded means what salvation is the beginning of the journey it's more about soul transformation than behavior modification. It emphasizes not only what we've been saved from, but what we've been saved for. It allows us to live inside out proactively instead of outside in reactively. And it reminds us that the church is who we are, not just where we go and what we do. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ, the mind of the King. You are to have the mind of the King. And this is what it means to operate now as kings in the earth. Kings, you must have a kingdom mindset. And let me tell you, church, there is so much I could teach on this topic, but I got to finish this series today. I could go on and on, but consider the contrast of just these two identities. If I could teach for weeks, watch this, watch this. Say it out loud, kingdom mindset say religious mindset okay you say kingdom mindset say it out loud say it out loud watch kingdom mindset watch secure watch religious mindset always insecure I told you I'm gonna ask you a question kingdom mindset trusting religious mindset always mistrustful Kingdom mindset, relationship-oriented. Religious mindset, performance-oriented. Kingdom mindset, spirit of sonship. Religious mindset, orphan mentality, orphan spirit. 
So that means, that means instead of being transparent, you're very ashamed. Instead of being self-accepting, you're self-rejecting. Instead of being father-centered, you're self-centered. Instead of practicing dominion, what do orphans do? They practice manipulation. A culture of manipulators. Kingdom mindset is faith-based. Religious mindset is always fear-based. Kings work creatively. Religious mindset, they toil in bondage. Kings live with purpose and destiny. Religious mindset live with conflicting passions. The church is full of people who the Bible calls double-minded. They're double-minded in all their ways. One minute, trust. The next, distrust. One minute, secure. The next, very insecure. One minute, have a sense of belonging. Next minute, have a sense of alienation. Did you know there are people who are not in this place today because they don't feel like they belong? Let me tell you something. If you had a kingdom mindset, you would know you belong at the table. You belong. Don't touch anybody. Just look across the aisle or look next to you and tell them you belong. Say it out loud. Look the other way. Say you belong. You belong. Watch this. Kingdom mindset, blessed conscious. Watch. Religious mindset, always cursed conscious. Kingdom mindset, savior conscious. The king. Religious mindset, sin conscious. Kingdom mindset, you know you are a contributor. Religious mindset, consumer. Because you never feel like you're going to have enough. Kings know I lack nothing. So I'm a giver. Watch. Religious mindset. I'm a taker. Really think about it now. Which category do you fall into? Host, come forward quickly. Host, come forward quickly. Before I walk out of this place, I want you to pass that little card out to everybody because I want to tell you something, church, that we're getting ready to do. We do it every year. Come on, make sure everybody gets it. Move quickly. Just pass them down the aisles quickly. I want to make sure everybody has a card. Just every other row. Just go quickly. Lower, upper tier. I want to be sure everybody has a card. Thank you, host, for serving. Upper tier as well. Make sure. I'm talking to you in person. I'm talking to everybody. You online. Circle the date on the front of that card that says November 7th. November 7th, 2021 is a special time for this church. It's a holy day. We call it our Thanksgiving offering. And you have this little card in your hand right now, and I'm wanting you to take it today. You take it home. And you pray about an amount that God wants you to give through you to help us advance the good news of the kingdom. The early church understood the power of giving for the greater cause to see gospel-centered ministry fully funded and functioning for kingdom impact here and now. And I'm asking all of us to begin praying and you ask God, listen, kings hear the Holy Spirit. And as a family, my whole family does this. Each member of my family, we pray and we say, God, what do you want us to do? What specific amount are we going to believe God to supply us with above, above and beyond 
our regular giving on Sunday, November 7th. We're going to worship and we're going to sow a seed by faith, trusting God's promise to those who fund kingdom work. And here's the promise that's found in Philippians uh, that says this, God will, here's the promise, meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Flip that card over and look at it. As a collective act of gratitude for God's faithfulness this year, stop for a minute, close your eyes. God has been so faithful. God has been so faithful. As a collective act of gratitude, there's no manipulation and arm twisting. As a collective act of gratitude for God's faithfulness this year, each Calvary family is asked on November 7th to present a gift, again, that is over and above, over and above our regular giving. Let us be intentional about our thankfulness through generosity. It's called thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, because we are thankful, the response is in our giving. Now look at me. There are people every year, my family included, there are people who have asked their job, could I have extra hours this month? There are people who got blessings and, and, and worked extra jobs. There are people that sold property and sold items in their home to prepare for Thanksgiving offering. There are people to prepare for this special holy day as a church. They did radical things. Let me tell you something. Unusual times that we're living in demand unusual believers who will take unusual and radical steps of faith. I trust you. We're getting ready for the seventh. I want you to take this card home. I want you to set it somewhere you can see it, and I want you to begin to pray. God, our family's preparing. We're getting ready. This is above and beyond. We're trusting you. And I love seeing my family do it every year. I want you to take 30 seconds and check this out. Watch this. This year, I'm thankful for God's provision. This year, I'm thankful for those who accept me just as I am. This year, I'm thankful I reign over life, and life does not reign over me. This year, I'm thankful for my parents. This year, I'm thankful to be part of a gospel circle. This year, we're thankful to be alive. This year, I'm thankful for a church like Calvary that makes worshiping in person a priority. This year, we're thankful for divine healing and health. This year, we all have so much to be thankful for, and Calvary, Ben and I are so thankful for each of you at every location. That's right, and as a collective act of gratitude for God's faithfulness in 2021, each Calvary family is asked to prepare a gift over and above their regular giving. Let's be intentional as a church about our thankfulness this year through our generosity. We want to bring it together as a church family. So start thinking about what you're thankful for each and every day and start praying about what you're going to give on November 7th for the Thanksgiving offering. Don't forget November 7th, Thanksgiving offering.
desire is to be a sower, whatever number you put in your head, which by the way, me and my family have our number. We know what we want to sow, and I'm believing God to provide that seed so we can sow it come November when we all participate together. So put that away, and we want to give our regular tithe and offering. If I could have our hosts come forward right now, and as they're making their way forward, you can give with an envelope directly in front of you. Uh, you can give digitally, uh, which many of you have moved to that platform, and we want to thank you for that. And as you're preparing for your giving, I just want to read something. I'm, I'm on a text group with a number of pastors that Pastor Ben periodically sends encouraging words. And on Saturday, he sent this, and I thought it was appropriate to share with you now. This is what he said. For almost a decade, God has been revealing what his grace is in my life. And these truths have been forever planted deep in my heart. So when I hear people talk about being anxious about the teachings of the goodness of God, I think that they may have not have truly heard all that grace accomplished in their life. The grace of God is so enormous much more than only the forgiveness of sins. Watch this. This is where I want you to hear it. There is so much more, exclamation point. A practical way to explain the grace of God is by dividing it into three areas. Church, listen to this. Saving grace, standing grace, and serving grace. If we should summarize these three areas of God's manifold grace, we could say it like this. God's work for us, in us and through us y'all see these different dimensions the working for us is something God did before you were even born forgave the sins of the world 2,000 years ago you did nothing for that that was for you that was you at rest and God saying let me do it now it's our job to believe it but he did it it's done it's a gift you could receive it or reject it but then the second one is in us and that's all that Pastor Ben was just preaching. The message was perfect. Is how do you think about it? How do you journey with the Lord inwardly and trusting Him? And then the last one, I love it, it's through you. How does this manifest? How does it look outside in the world? How does it change my world? And when you do that, and this is the last line, notice the third dimension of grace. It's serving. It involves speaking, assisting, and giving, allowing God's grace to flow through you and in your generosity. Don't stop the flow. That was something he sent to us pastors, and I wanted to share it with you. Allow me to pray for the offering. Could I do that? Could you just hold that in your hand? Father, I thank you for everyone that's giving right here tangibly, but also those that have given digitally or online throughout the week and month. Father, just bless them. Bless every gift. I thank you that we look to you as our source and this is truly an act of worship it is out of the overflow that we simply get to give bless both the gift and the giver in Jesus name amen God bless you as you give church hey welcome to Calvary whether this is your first time or first time in a long time we want to say welcome home and we encourage you to pull out your phone right now there are so many great things happening here at Calvary. Make sure to stay in the know by downloading the Calvary app. There you can give, check out past messages, or connect to a gospel circle. Also, make sure that you follow us on social media at Calvary Church CC to get daily encouragement and be reminded of who you are in Christ. Lastly, follow our pastors on social media, Pastors Ben and Kim Daly. 
Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online. What a powerful message. Know that we are here for you as a church. And if you were blessed by today's message, let us know by emailing us at online at calvarychurch.cc. We can't do what we do without the generosity of you and the Calvary family. It's not too late to give on our app and website towards the mission of Calvary of declaring the gospel. You can give now on the Calvary app or at calvarychurch.cc. Father, we thank you as we conclude this series that life does not reign over us, but rather we reign in life. We truly, truly enjoyed worshiping with you today, and we look forward to worshiping with you next Sunday in person at one of our Calvary locations. We love you, church. We'll see you next week. We encourage you to live generously and give generously. You can do that right there online on our app by searching and downloading Calvary Church CC. You can give on our website or you can text to give by texting Calvary IRV followed by the amount to 77977. And I encourage you to set up your recurring giving. Calvary, let's remain consistent and faithful in the face of inconsistency.